What up, Excel? All right, no one's here. All right, you guys are just, you're not it. Let me try that again. What's up, Big Cell? Oh, that's just sad. That's Yanni Coffee this, this evening. Is it, is it one of those days, guys? Are you just like, girl, it's always that day for you. Shut up. You fall asleep 24-7. <laughs> hey, real quick, just in case you're wondering why there's no chairs over there, it's we're having a breakdance battle after service. No, we're not. I just, there's a... <laughs> If you notice that light up there is acting kind of funny, it's strobing, and we didn't want anybody to have a seizure over there, and so we just took those seats out. But um, if you do, or if you are prone to seizures, don't look up at that light. Uh, we don't want to have an issue later on. But a couple things I want to make sure that everybody's aware of if you haven't uh, already heard, if you weren't here earlier. Um, obviously, we got Spring Breakaway coming up. We want to make sure that everyone is signed and registered for that. Registration is officially open, so you can go ahead and sign up. And again, we have been keeping track of points. We are tallying these things up. And uh, for every person who signs up before the deadline, you're getting some points for that. All that goes toward a lot of really cool things. But here's a big key. You ever, um, you ever played a game and you get like 10 points for this, 10 points for that, and then there's this one thing that you can do that gives you like a million points that make like all the other points pointless, right? Um, and you like that? So... Here's, here's one of those things that we have for you today um, or this year, and that is the fact that we are going to add Speed the Light to this point system. And so uh, we want to have a little friendly competition. Competition always brings out the best of some of us and, and not the best of others. Uh, but what we want to do is we want to make sure that uh, we get a competition going between each small group to see who can raise the most money for Speed the Light up till when we get to the first weekend. So basically up until May you have for each small group collectively. That means you guys can do something together. That means whatever individuals from your group do goes towards your total. Whatever the people in your group do, all of that's going to add up. Now here's the deal. Most people might be like, oh, well, you know, the older groups can do it because they can get jobs and they can drive and they can do stuff. You would think that, but they also got a little extra laziness in them sometimes because they got to be chauffeurs and they got to do this and they got to do that. Um, and you guys might count out the younger kids because you think, oh, well, they're just young, but they're also some of them cute and cute kids standing outside. And listen, just don't sell candy in specific areas of this city is all I'm saying, Okay. Uh, we ain't Girl Scouts, but if you guys can go and just be cute, but here's the bottom line. You guys, a few weeks ago, felt the Lord put it on your heart individually, and you've already forgotten. I'm sure many of you are like, what was my number? I don't know. That was between you and God, right? But we did tot uh, total those up, and we've committed to 20000 this year. We have never done that, but just because we never did it doesn't mean we can't. And so I believe we can if you're willing to follow through. We gave 100 today, my family, um, from what we've been raising so far for Speed the Light. God's been opening a lot of doors for me. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be a Speed the Light speaker for a convention in the fall. And so I'm like, okay, God, I guess you want me to, to get on this. And, and Cicely has been on my back about it to make sure that we're pushing this. So I want to encourage you guys, think of ideas. Come up with creative ways. You guys are hustlers. Figure something out, man. If, you, if you're on the... A sports team, get somebody to sponsor you for every basket you score, every uh, run you score. If you're a photographer, get ready to take some pictures. You got prom coming up and, and all these events. You know, get paid for your craft. And here's what I found. People are more likely to pay you 
when you're doing it for something outside of yourself. So when you're saying, hey, listen, we're trying to raise money for missions. We're trying to raise money so the gospel can get out there. We're trying to raise money for clean water. People are willing to say, yeah, I'll get behind that. Hey, here, I'll give you 15 bucks for that. I'll, you know, I'll buy that cheap little necklace you made at home because it's going towards something. And so we want to make sure that you guys make the initiative. But lazy don't get anything. So you're going to have to get up and you're going to have to work. All right? Uh, with that being said, I want to talk to you a little bit of a carryover what we talked about last week. Um, they say that you end up marrying someone just like your parent. So ladies end up marrying someone just like their dad, and guys end up marrying someone just like their mom. Now, some of you are like, oh, hell no, please. I hope not. My sister said something funny this day. She goes, she goes to me, my little sister, she goes, I prayed to God that I would never marry a man like my dad, but I didn't think God would give me a son just like my dad because my nephew is exactly like my dad. And so some way around, you're not going to get over on God, right? But I didn't believe that. Most of the time I didn't believe that. But then I've noticed for the last few years how similar my wife is to my mom, and it's scary. Like, and it's always all the bad stuff, too. I'm like, oh, that's my mom. Why did, oh, that's weird, right? It's kind of freaky. And, they, and they've noticed it with each other, so they got this weird bond, like, that's, uh, like, against me. And it's just, like, this awkward, you know, weird thing. And, and you start to pick that up. And knowing that, I'm, like, trying to make sure that Josie has a good future husband. Like, I want to make sure that, that I'm a good example, that I'm a good father, that I'm somebody that she can look up to so that she doesn't end up trying to hook up with some tatara. But, you know, she looks at him and goes, nah, you ain't even close to how my dad is. You phony. And move along to the next, right? I, I want to be able to lift up the standard, right? But here's the deal. What if you don't have that, Right? What if you didn't grow up with a, a good male role model or a good mother role model? What if you don't have that ideal situation? What if your parents' relationship is not the kind of relationship you want to have in the future? You don't want to be fighting and screaming. You don't want to have these kinds of things. You know, by the grace of God, I have yet to have ever yelled at Cicely, and she has never yelled at me. And, and part of our prayer is that God would help us to continue to be that way so that Josie never has to hear that because both of us grew up in homes where there was a lot of fighting, there was a lot of yelling. You know, we want to try to give it different, but it's hard to find that when you've never seen that in your own home. But I don't think that's an excuse. And I'm sure the Bible clearly says that it's not an excuse because even if you didn't have a good earthly father, you have an amazing heavenly father that sets the example for love. And if you want to see where I'm talking about, I'd love for you to open up to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. If you, if you want to know about love in the Bible, read one of John's books. The Apostle John is known as the Beloved. He's the author of the Gospel of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, the book of Revelation. Those are all books that John wrote. And when you read his writings, they always are written with love in mind, with love as kind of the center point or the viewpoint for which he's writing. Uh, I believe he was called the beloved because he had a very tender relationship to Jesus. There was this very loving aspect. I think part of it was because he was the youngest disciple. Anybody ever been the youngest in the crew? Anybody ever been the youngest in your group of friends? They all mess with you. But then they all love you too, you know what I mean? Like, like they all tease you and they mess with you, but they don't let nobody else mess with you. Because they're like, no, no, that's mine, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, go get me this, but you don't let nobody else make them go get you stuff. Like, I think that was John. I think John was the baby of the group. He's the one that everyone looked out for. He was the loved one. He was the nene, right? But he also had this amazing affection 
for Jesus. And so when he writes, he wants to make sure that you understand that you can be loved the same way he was loved by the Lord. And so listen to what he says in these three verses. First John chapter 4, I'm going to read verse 7 through 10, and then I'm going to break down a few thoughts from this. John 4 verse 7 says this, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Right? It's a lot to unpack in this. I think they use the word love like nine times in these few uh, verses. But there's a few things that I want to highlight as we kind of go through this that I think are important for you and I to understand. Because uh, love has become this all-encompassing word. Love is something that's thrown around loosely. It, you know, you say, I, I love my mom the same way I love a cheeseburger. And obviously, you, I hope you don't love those things the same way, right? There, there's just, uh, it's just one of those things that the word has very much gotten watered down. And we use it flippantly. And because it's so watered down, we treat it flippantly as well. And so we end up searching for uh, an idea of love rather than love itself. And, and here John helps you to understand what real love is. And I think it's important in this because he, he characterizes it all with going back to the love of Christ. And, and here's kind of the whole premise of tonight. If, if you don't remember anything else, I want you to remember this. No loving relationship in your life will ever survive, thrive, or even have an opportunity to get off the ground if you don't first secure a loving relationship with God. That's at the center of everything else. And I believe that's at the core of what John is trying to say in this. And so here's a few clues that I see that I give into that. Number one, he says, let us love, right? When he starts it off, he uses the phrase, hey, guys, let us love. This is an invitation to love. But here's what I understand. When he's saying to go love, you have to give love, right? But you can't give something you haven't received. You can't give something you haven't received, right? If I was given this water, I can't give it to you if I didn't first take it, right? I have to receive in order to give. And so when he's saying let us love, it's important to understand what's going on. When he first wrote this, this obviously wasn't written in English. It was written in ancient Greek. The sentence begins in a very interesting way. This is what he's saying. I'm, I'm going to butcher this, right? But it's agapeteo, agape men. In other words, those who are loved, let us love. That's, that's what the original text is saying. Those who are loved, let us love. In other words, if you have received love, give love. If you have experienced the love of God, give the love of God. And, and, and this is important because a lot of times we want to give our love to people, but we haven't received any. We want to give something to someone, and we think that giving chocolates and balloons and flowers means that I've given you love. No, you gave them chocolate, balloons, and flowers. <laughs> but that doesn't mean you gave them love. And you can't receive love from someone who hasn't accepted that love. 
And so they might have given you gifts on Valentine's Day or they might have, you know, sent you a little, you know, P.S. I love you or circle yes or no type letter. And you might think, oh, they love me. No, they like you. (laughs) But they don't know what love is because they haven't experienced it for themselves. See, 1 John chapter 4 verse 19 says this. It says that we love each other because he first loved. Because he loved us first. It has to begin with the love of God. Everything else is just infatuation. It's emotions. It's not real love. This is why it's so difficult. This is why we get so confused. This is why we get heartbroken oftentimes. Because we confuse love and lust. Lust is a desire for something. It's, it's I want that, especially something I can't have. I want that. I want to be with him. I want to be with her. I want to touch them. I want to be around them. I want them. That's lust. Love is not like that. Love doesn't act like that. Love doesn't think like that. But because we don't have a better word, we say love. Especially because if we say, hey, I lust you, that just sounds really creepy. And that's kind of, you know. That's where they get a restraining order on you. School expels you. You don't want to go around and be like, hey, baby, I'm not going to say I love you, but I do lust you. It's like, ew, exusio, like, right? It's a whole different scenario. So it's important to understand, how can you give someone something you've never received? This is why oftentimes people who have come from situations where they didn't experience love in the home have a hard time loving other people. This is where you get that phrase, hurt people, hurt people. Those who have been hurt end up hurting other people. Why? Because that's all they've learned. They've never been loved. They've never experienced the love of God. They've never understood what it means to be loved. All they've known is abuse and hurt and anger and yelling and violence. And so that's what they give. And if we're not careful, that's what we end up receiving because they say all the right words that we've seen on TV and that we've seen in commercials and on Hallmark cards and and they play this, this role well, but they have no idea how to love you because they've never been loved. They've never accepted God's love. They've never received the love of God. And what love they have gotten has fallen well short of what God intended love to be. This is why we oftentimes end up in relationships that can be abusive. And abuse comes in several different forms. It's not just somebody physically hurting you. It's somebody not understanding the value of the heart that has been given to them. Someone not understanding the importance of love and responding with negativity, with verbal abuse, with trying to convince you that what you are isn't good enough. And so maybe if you lost a little weight, I'd be more interested. Or maybe if you were taller, I'd be more interested. And maybe if you did this for me or you did that for me. And listen, because of this natural desire to be loved, and because we don't look up, we look straight, we end up allowing the abuse to happen to us. Not that anybody ever asked to be abused, But we keep ourselves in situations of abuse because we don't know what real love is. Because we've never really received it from God. And listen, I'm I'm telling you from my own heart. I I was in a relationship. I mean, she did hit me a few times, but it's not like she, it was more like she was playing. I mean, she stabbed me once. That was awkward. Right? So I'm not saying it was a good relationship. But here's the thing she did worse. She, She would verbally take me down and and verbally try to lower me 
And I thought, if I just love her more, we'll get through it because she's hurt. She's been damaged. She's gone through situations. And so I can't allow her words to affect me. I have to love her through this. But the problem is I couldn't love her because I was looking for her love, not God's love. And because I was looking for her love, I was sad and empty and struggling and frustrated. But let me tell you something. When I really began to allow the love of the Lord to come into my life and have a relationship that put God as a priority, and I began to understand and see for myself what real love is, I looked at real love and I looked at her love and I said, these two things don't look the same. I don't want this anymore. I want this. So then when she said things like, oh, well, just go away. And I would say, peace. And suddenly, no, no, no. Hey, do you want to talk? And I was like, no, I'm done. I'm done with all this. Because I already know what love is. And when you've experienced the love of God, you don't settle for counterfeit things. It's like when you go grocery shopping. Anybody ever gone grocery shopping with their mom and dad? You ever gone hungry? You know what I'm talking about? Like you're at Costco and you're hitting up every stand four times pretending, you know, like you put a little mustache on the second time around and like, hello, good sir. Yes, may I have another? Right? You're just picking off the whole thing. You're starving. And here's the problem. It doesn't affect you as much at your age because it's not your pocketbook. But when you get older, you start to realize, yo, man, I can't be going to Costco hungry. I end up with a five-gallon of mayonnaise. I don't need that much mayonnaise. Like, why do I got that for? But you're just hungry. And when you're hungry, when you're not satisfied, you end up trying to fulfill that with your eyes. And you end up with things you don't need. You end up with people you don't need. People that take and don't give. And they take from you because they've never received from God. So what love of God is in you, they try to take for themselves. Listen, it's very important you understand That when we are given this invitation to love others, it's with the understanding that you've already received love from God. If you haven't given that, then you're not really giving love away. You're giving you away. And you need to be careful. So he goes on to say, right, let us love because God first loved us. And he goes, love comes from God. Right? Love comes from God. This is an interesting statement. So first you've been given an invitation to love, and then you've been given the reminder of where love comes from, which means in order to love someone, we need to be close to God. If you want to love someone, you have to be able to get it from the source in order to love them. Listen to this verse, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12. It's a very famous verse at weddings. It says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But a two, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Okay? My daughter already has hair that's going past her neck. That girl got a lot of hair. And I'm sitting there going, man, I need to start getting on YouTube and figuring out how to do a braid. Okay? I used to do braids for my three sisters when I was a kid, but I've been out of practice and I got sausage fingers. So it's not that easy for me to braid. But from what I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, essentially when you're doing a basic braid, you're looping two strands around one strand in the middle, right? Two strands loop around one strand. This is what God is saying. When he's saying that love comes from me, he's saying that anything that has to do with love should revolve me. So in other words, if you two are trying to be together in love, make sure that I'm at the center and what you're doing wraps around me. Or if I can give you an easier illustration, 
let's pretend it's like a, a, a triangle, okay? Triangle offense. Scotty! Only a few people get that. Okay? So this is God at the top. This is you. And we'll just call this other. <laughs> That's the other person. Okay? So on this same, we are called to love God. And this other person should love God. Right? And then this here is a command to love each other. Now, this goes with other believers and your brothers and sisters in Christ, but it can also mean in a romantic sense. So here's the deal. This is them, right? This is you. Most of the time, what we try to do is just love the other person. I'm going to love them. They're going to love me. But then you end up leaving this person out of the equation. Then you leave the Lord out of the equation, and it's just you two. And you two is not good enough. Why? Because this is where love comes from. Okay, so the first thing is for you to learn to love God. And if you draw closer to God, but they don't, now you're up here and they're down here. Well, how can you two be together? Doesn't work. But if both of you draw close to God, you here, you here, now you've made the whole thing stronger. Right? So if they love God, you love God, now we find ourselves in the same space. Most of the time, if we're honest, though, what Christians do is we love God and we love someone over here. And we're like, I don't know why it's working out. Bye-bye. They're not even on the same planet as you. <laughs> but I love them. And here's what you have to decide. If you want to be in this relationship, one of two things happens. Either they have to come here or more likely than not, you end up going over there. And when you come over here, guess who you leave? God. See, the further they are, the further you have to be in order to be with them. And so you got to decide this. This is my first priority, to love God. I used to say it like this. My philosophy on dating is I'm going to chase after God as hard as I can, and if anyone can keep up, I'll introduce myself. All right? I'm not looking for them. I'm looking for him. And if while I'm up there chilling with the Lord, doing my thing, worshiping, loving him, laughing at Christian memes, while I'm doing my thing up here, if other happens to be there, which my wife was, I said, how you doing? She said, I've been waiting for you to ask for a year. My bad. I've been busy with the Lord. <laughs> this is what love is supposed to work like in a relationship. As you love God and as they love God, the three of you can love each other. Why? Because love comes from God. This is difficult to do without first learning to do this. This is the source of love. Everything else is just fake. This is where we make our biggest struggle. This is where we fail the most often. Because if we're honest, we end up spending more time looking for the other than the Lord. Especially during your season in life. I don't know why it is when you're a teenager, you just feel like if you don't catch someone now, you're going to forever be alone. But I'll tell you, I'd rather be alone with him than end up alone with them. Does that make sense? So here's the deal. He says love comes from God, right? Why does love come from God? Well, he says it in the next sentence. 
because God is love. Now, this is important because this is what the world has tried to confuse you with. They've tried to take the definition of love and flip it on its head. They, they try to take what is a characteristic, one of the greatest characteristics of God, which is his love, and manipulate and water down the word. And so you get phrases now like, well, love is love. No, you can't define something with its own definition. That's just stupid, okay? Right? You, you just, it doesn't make sense. What's the definition of running? Running. It doesn't help me. What's the definition of love? Love. No, that doesn't work. God says that he is love. And when you try to manipulate what love is and you take capture of the definition, you can make it say whatever you want. Right? I can say that this is buff. This is buff. <laughs> no, that's not. That's what? It's what? What are you thinking? <laughs> Very muscular, yes. Listen, what the world tries to do is steal the definition, flip it on its head, and redefine it. And if we end up failing for the redefined definition, then we're really going to end up hurting ourselves. It's a trick that the world ends up playing on you. And you end up getting caught because you didn't pay attention to those little details. It's like my dad one time, he told me about this one hustler in the neighborhood. And he said, uh, he was slick, man. They called him Philadelphia. I guess because he was from Philly. They weren't that creative. And uh, he went to this guy where my dad worked at, and he goes, hey, man, I got four tires for sale. I'll sell you the tires on my car. Brand new, blah, 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 blah. I'll sell them to you for, you know, 200 bucks. He goes, the only catch is you got to do the work. You got to take them off. I'm not taking the tires off. If you want it for that price, you got to take the tires off. And the guy's like, all right, bet. So the guy's outside. He's taking the tires off. And as he's taking the tires off, guess what happens? Cop rolls up. That wasn't dude's car. <laughs> he just said, that's my car. Go take the tires off. The other guy was dumb enough to pay attention and listen to him and was stealing someone else's tires on their car. Listen, this is what the enemy does to us, right? He says, hey, man, you want love? I got love for you. This is love. Go, go and do this. And because you want love, you don't want the definition of it. You don't understand what you're doing. You don't look behind it. You just go with it like, oh, thanks, love. And you end up stealing something that isn't yours. Listen, a lot of times we say things in church like, hey, guard your heart and, and be careful with these. But listen, some of you were the ones that hurt other people's hearts. Some of you were the ones that took someone else's purity. Some of you were the ones that uh, tempted those people to do things they shouldn't do. We're not all innocent in the room. And so we have to be careful with the way that the world has tricked us into trying to redefine what God died on the cross to define himself. So here's the key. God is love. Now, the truth is we can't love others without first knowing God's love. Now, that doesn't mean, though, that Christians are the only ones capable of loving. I'm not saying that. But other, uh, I'm sorry, but after sin entered the world and it distorted the image of God, it was defaced, right? We were created in his image, sin came into the world, and it defaced the image of love. And without God, our love is now only a caricature of love. You know what a caricature is? If you've ever been like at Six Flags or the carnival, and you and a, a, your little boyfriend, girlfriend sit down, and, and they draw this super bogus picture of you, and then you give them $20 for that? You know what I mean? Like, if you got, like, a little bitty, giddy, 
bitty gap in your teeth. They make this giant gap and your teeth are all crooked. And you're like, thank you for painting my greatest insecurities. You're awesome. It's not the reality of what you look like. It's an exaggeration of it. It's a caricature. And what we end up falling for is not real love, but a caricature of love. A made-up version of it. A sensationalized version of it. One that we saw on TV or we heard in music. One that we thought, well, that seems like love. And so that is love. But that's not what it is. That's just what you've come to believe. We have to be careful with that. Because Isaiah 50 verse 20 says this. What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil. That dark is light and light is dark. That bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. What is he saying? He's warning those who try to redefine what God has already defined. Who try to say that up is down and down is up. He's saying, woe to you if you try to convince people of the opposite. So when God claims and says that he is the very definition of love, be careful to fall for somebody else's definition of love. Right? Because love, if it does not look like the Lord, if it does not act like the Lord, and I don't care to say, well, you know, I don't know because of my family situation and my parents' marriage never worked. And listen, you have the greatest love story written out for you at your hand anytime you want to read it. You, you don't have an excuse outside of an unwillingness or a laziness to actually step up and see it for yourself. But if you want to know what real love is, this is the best love story you'll ever see. And it's been given to you so that you can follow it. So you don't have to be fooled. And listen, there's... There's been plenty of times in my personal life, again, I'm telling you this from my heart, where I've fallen for fake love. Most of it stemmed from insecurities. Most of it stemmed from feeling like no one loves me. And so whoever shows a little bit of interest, I'm kind of there. I'm for it. I'm I'm willing to, to bend over backwards. I'm willing to do this or that because I'm just so desperate to be loved. And like I said with the grocery shopping, if you're that desperate, you shouldn't be in a relationship with somebody. Because what you end up doing is throwing on their shoulders what only the Lord can handle. And it's not good for either of you, especially the other person. That is a weight that only real love can carry. That is a weight, your insecurity, your hurt, your pain, your past pain from love experiences, the things that you've gone through, that is a weight that only real love can carry. And if you try to throw it on somebody else's shoulder, I've never seen it work. I've never seen it work. It's just too much on one person. I think this is why uh, John ends those few verses with saying that this is real love, right? If we go back up to 1 John, he goes, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take our sins. This is real love. Well, what is real love? God's love is this, that he loved you first. See, love in this world is very much 
a give and take. What can you do for me? What are you offering me? I'll offer you based on what you're offering me. It's reciprocal. If I'm not getting the love that I'm giving, then I'm going to pull back. It's just back and forth. I don't know if I could trust you. Can you trust me? There's this real weird, like, I just don't know. God's love is different. God's love has no condition to it. God is willing to love you even when you don't love him. God is willing to love you even when you've been abusive towards him. I'm not saying that that's the kind of love we should be in, but this is the level of love that God has for us, that when he would in right minds turn on you, he doesn't turn on you. When he should slap us for being as dumb as we're being, he doesn't slap us, he guides us. When lightning should shoot down from the sky and strike you dead, it doesn't. Y'all ever been in that situation, by the way, where you're like, yo, I just feel like God's going to do something to me? Because of that guilty conscience of maybe what you've already done. See, this is real love. Real love, agape love as the Bible describes it, is not defined by our love for God, but by his love for us. His love for us initiates our relationship of love with him. Our love is only really a response to his love. Real love is that God loved you first. See, we look at this situation as going up, but God really looks at it as coming down. He came down when he sent his son down to earth. He came down when he looked at you at your lowest moment and said you're still worthy of being loved. See, you didn't love him. God loved you first. A lot of times we feel like I'm saying yes to Jesus, but really you're just saying yes to what he already said yes to. He chose you. You didn't choose him. You didn't decide to follow Jesus in the way that you think you made the first move. Listen, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 7. But God's mercy is so abundant and his love for us is so great that while we were spiritually dead in our disobedience, he brought us to life with Christ. It is by God's grace that you have been saved. In our union with Christ Jesus, he raised us up with him to rule with him in the heavenly world. He did this to demonstrate for all time to come to the extraordinary greatness of his grace and the love he showed us in Christ Jesus. Listen. You guys have heard me talk about my daughter more than enough right now, and honestly, I'm going to do that a lot, so just you better be used to that. But I talk about her a lot because I care about her a lot. I would never let anything happen to her, even if it meant saving any of your lives. I'm sorry. She's more important to me than any of you, and I really love you. <laughs> but that's my daughter. And yet God didn't look at it that way. God said, I love my son but they're my children too. And I'm willing to cause all this hurt and pain and suffering to fall on my son who's, who doesn't deserve any of it. Because let's be honest, we deserve 90% of what we get. Even if it's not a, a direct situation, we've done enough that we don't deserve the mercy and grace that God gives us. None of us do. That's why that verse said, it's not because you deserved it, it's by God's grace and his love that you've been given the right to be called the child of God. So much so that he was willing to give up his son for you and I. Now, here's the deal. I would get that if, if the situation was like this. Okay, Arturo, I'll let my son die, but you got to get better first. And when you get better and I, I can see that you're really changed, then I'll send my son. 
right? That, that would have made sense. You know what? I'm going to wait till the whole world repents, till the whole world changes, and when they've proven to me that they, that they change and that they really love me, then I'll sacrifice my son. Because honestly, that's how you and I would approach it. Right? You and I understand, listen, I'm not going to get fooled. I'm not letting you trick me. Like, I got to make sure this deal is solid. But God said, no. While you were still in disobedience, while you were still a sinner, while you were at your worst, Christ died for you. What is that telling us? It tells us that God loved the broken you, not the perfect you. God loved the wounded you. God loved the angry you. God loved the sinful you. God loved the disobedient you. God loved the childish you. God loved the petty you. Ooh, some of you, them eyes are rolling. God loved you when no one else loved you. God loved you before you had any idea what love could be. He already pulled you aside. I said, you're worth loving. Listen, some of you, you've never experienced this love, and because of that, you don't know what to do with it. You almost don't know how to be treated with it because you've, you've never been loved. We had a dog in the neighborhood, one of my buddy's dogs. The first week, it bit everybody in the neighborhood. Second week, it bit everybody twice. One time, I rolled up in rollerblades, and it just attacked me, started gnawing at me, biting me. Thank God it was a puppy, couldn't puncture skin. One day it did end up biting somebody severely and eventually ended up getting put down. The dog wasn't born doing that. The dog went through a lot of abuse. Matter of fact, uh, the reason it attacked me when I wore rollerblades is because a few weeks before, when they were giving her on a walk, it tried to bark at a girl who had rollerblades and she kicked him in the face. So the next time he saw rollerblades, he put two and two together and he went after me. I never blamed the dog. I was never mad at the dog. I understood this dog has been hurt. It doesn't know what to do when it's trying to be loved. And wounded animals tend to growl and attack. And I get that because I think that's a lot of times how we act towards God. We have a hardened heart. We, we tend to push back. We tend to reject and go after something else because honestly, we wouldn't know what to do with real love because we've had a steady diet of counterfeit love our whole lives. But I think it's great that that never stops God from loving you. That even if you don't acknowledge him, even if you don't believe he exists, he still loves you. And I know some people would say, well, why would he send us to hell? He doesn't send you to hell. You send yourself. He, still, he loves everyone in hell. They just chose not to love him. Right? Again, I use this illustration all the time. It's like one of my ex-girlfriends from high school complaining that I don't let her move in. It's like, uh, no, you made your choice. <laughs> like, I am living with the one who chose me. And heaven is filled with the ones that God chose and who, the ones who said yes to his love. And on this earth, you get to decide every day to reject real love or to accept real love. And here's the beauty. Here's what I need you to understand. You could have both if you have it together. But you can't have both separately. You can't love God and the world. You can have both if they're together. If you both love God and you're both in a pursuit of a relationship with God, it works great. It's why my marriage has been as successful as it is. It's why the people that I respect have done, done as well as they have. 
But this is where all those other relationships I had struggled with. Because as I was trying to pursue God, I was trying to pursue them, and those directions were opposite. So what am I saying to you? Choose love. Real love. Not counterfeit. Not flattery. Not a song and flowers and all this cookie cutter crap. Choose real love. Love that before you ever knew about it, chose you and died for you so that you would have an opportunity to love him back. Worship team, if you can come up. There's one more thing that I want to close out with, and I love this, is that this love of God is a love you can trust. And I think that's the key because a lot of us have trust issues. Let's just be honest, right? A lot of us... It's like, you know, my mom was supposed to love me, my dad was supposed to love me, my family was supposed to love me, my teachers were supposed to love me. All these people who were set up to love me failed. So I got trust issues. I I have a problem with accepting God's love. I know God loves me, but here I'm afraid to say yes to that. So I love what Romans says. Because Romans gives us this interesting assurance. And here's the key. It's in the first line. He says, I'm convinced. I wonder how many of you tonight, you're just not convinced yet. You've heard it. You've heard it over and over and over again. But you're not convinced. Well, what is he convinced of? Well, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Again, I think this is where we're gun-shy. I think this is where we hesitate to accept God's love because every time we've tried to say yes to what we thought was love, every time we've opened up to what we perceived as love, love ended up hurting us. So we end up like that that hurt pit bull. We end up growling and barking and and trying to hurt people before they hurt us. And and we try to push people away before they push us away. And and we isolate our heart and we isolate ourselves. And and we keep people at arm's length. And we keep God at arm's length. And we say, listen, yeah, I want to have a relationship. I kind of think I do. I kind of want you. But honestly, God, I want you this far because I don't want to be hurt again. But Paul says, no, 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 I'm convinced then nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell could separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Think about the assurance you have in this. That God will love you forever. What if I mess up? Still loves you. What if I really mess up? Still loves you. It's that love that helps you come back. It's that love that helps you turn around. It's that love that that doesn't kick you out the second you screw up or or the moment you go back to your sin. That love is what keeps that connection viable and going. But the key is, Love is a two-way street. He loved you first, but are you willing to love him second? So I'm going to ask you to stand right where you're at. And for a moment, I just want you to close your eyes. Just, I want you to think to yourself. Tonight, I want to give you an opportunity to choose love. Not Valentine's love, not flower love. 
real love. And in a moment, if you've never said yes to love, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I need you to understand, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. But let me tell you what that doesn't mean. That doesn't mean religion. That doesn't mean rules, regulations. That doesn't mean everything absolutely will change in the next 10 seconds. <laughs> it means you start a relationship with someone named Jesus Christ. And you spend the rest of your life learning to love him the way he's always loved you. And maybe you're here and you've made that decision. But honestly, you've turned your back on love. It never separated you. But you have turned your back on it. And you've been looking at other things to fill that love hole in your heart. You've been looking at other people or other situations. And in this moment tonight, you've been realizing, yeah, that doesn't satisfy either. So I'm going to ask you just where you're at to bow your head, close your eyes. And if you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I want to say yes to love again. I want to begin to give God another chance in that area. I want to make sure that I know that I know what real love is because honestly I'm tired of all this counterfeit love. Would you just signal me by lifting up your hand and I'm going to pray for you. If there's anyone here that says, that's me, Pastor, thank you. Thank you. Anyone else says, that's me, Pastor, I need that. Thank you. Anyone else? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for those hands that were raised tonight, God. I'm thanking you for your truth, Lord. I'm thanking you that you opened our eyes tonight to what real love is. And Lord, first and foremost, I pray for every hand that's raised. God, I thank you that tonight they said yes, maybe for the first time, maybe for the millionth time, but they said yes to being loved by you. And God, I pray right now, would you flood them with that love, God? Would you overwhelm them with your love? Would you help them to go beyond even their understanding and just flow within their heart and tell them, Lord, remind them, God, that not only are they loved now, but they've always been loved and always will be loved. God, I pray that they experience that love in such a tangible and powerful way that they will never again fall for anything short of that love. And Lord, I pray for everybody else in this room. Lord, over the next several years, they'll make decisions to allow people into their lives. God, I pray that it would be filtered through your love. God, I pray that they would draw closer to you and only those that are close to you would be allowed to be close to them. God, I pray that they would be picky with the people they allow in their inner circle. I pray that they would allow themselves to be selective with who they date, Lord, and that it would be you who gives them the green light, Lord. That they wouldn't take it in their own hands. That they wouldn't decide and then ask you to sign off on it. But that it would be your decision, Lord, leading by your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would guard their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That you would protect them from false love. And that you would show them on a regular basis what it really means to be loved. So that their perception and understanding of love changes. And they won't be fooled again. I pray this for everyone, Lord. May you bless them in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow. If you have any questions, you can talk to some of our leaders. We're going to be sticking around. We'll see you in small groups tomorrow.